Life is an interesting thing. The interesting thing about life is everybody has their own idea of what life should look like. I want to read a passage of scripture in James chapter 4 and verse 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. The text is a question. A very direct question. A question that cannot be answered collectively but personally. Individually. The question is, what is your life? I know everybody looks at life differently. Everybody has a different way of translating what life should be or a way life should look like. For some people, they say life is awful. It's horrible. You ask one person, what's your life? They'll say, my life is peaceful. You ask another person, they say, my life is painful. Some people say, man, my life is wonderful. Some people say, my life is wandering. All I do is try to figure out what's next. So the question is, what is your life? What does it look like? And again, only you can answer that question. James actually answers the question as well. He answers it in a threefold format. But I want you to consider this and think on this. In life and different stages of life, we have questions about life. Children ask the question, how did I get here? Why am I here? In other words, if you don't answer that question, somebody else is going to answer the question for them. How did I get here? When you become a young adult, middle aged, maybe your early 20s, you ask the question, why am I here? Why am I here? In other words, what is my purpose for being alive? Why am I breathing? Why am I living? Why am I existing? And this is the reason why so many people between the age 20 and 35 start considering killing themselves, taking their own life, committing suicide because they don't really have the answer of why. Why? Why am I here? What is my purpose? What is my reason? Are you all following me? Yeah. It happens all the time. They're dealing with anxiety. Next week, uh, pastor, he's not a pastor yet, but Christian's going to be speaking on the topic of um, identity crisis. There's an identity crisis across the world, not just in the United States, because people don't know purpose. So the question is, as a child, how did I get here? The question as a young adult is, why am I here? And then as you get older, the question is, where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? Older folks are asking that question because maybe they're an empty nester. Their kids are finally to that point. They've moved on. Some of you are wishing your kids would move on, but maybe you're at that point in life, your kids have moved on, and you walk into your home, and it's empty, and it's just you and your spouse, or maybe you alone, and you're asking yourself the question, where do I go from here? My life. Where do I go from here? I sat with my wife in a parking lot just behind this building, and we were early, and we asked ourselves that same question, where do we go from here? Where is the ministry going from here? What do we do from here? You know why? Because we haven't figured out life just yet. So grasp this. Your life is a precious gift from God. It's been given to you. And you will never face a more challenging text than this verse right here. What is your life? Because this verse right here challenges you to sift yourself. To sift your life, your social life, your academics, everything that you're involved in, whether it be mentally, physically, socially, sexually, everything about your life needs to be asked, what is it? What does it look like? 
If you're just existing, you are not experiencing what life was meant for you to be. Now watch, there is a reason why James wrote this passage of Scripture, obviously under the inspiration of God. He gives us the question, what is your life? And then he gives us a threefold answer to consider. First he says, your life is even a vapor. Life is fragile. It's the first thing he mentions. It's a, it's a vapor. Now the question is, for James to use vapor as an illustration of life, there must be a reason. What is the reason? I mean, we know that water occurs in three stages. You have a solid, which is ice. You have the liquid, which is water. And then you have the gas, which is a vapor. Why would you choose gas, which is the vapor? Why don't you use the, the illustration of the liquid form? Because it's powerful, right? You, you have floods and typhoons and tsunamis and tidal waves. We know it's a powerful illustration of what H2O water can do. I mean, think about the fact that 25,000 people perished because of the tsunami in Southern Asia years ago. That is power. But why wasn't James using that? There's got to be a reason behind this. Now, he didn't even use the form of water as, as ice, which is powerful too. You think of hail, you think of icebergs, you think about the fact that 1,517 people died on the Titanic because of an iceberg. What a powerful illustration of what life is like. But no, he didn't use that at all. He used the illustration of a vapor. A vapor. I use this vapor here. You see it coming out, you see it disappearing. And you can't help but think to yourself, this is the illustration that James was trying to bring to our attention about life. But why? Because vapor is not something that you can reach and grasp. Within seconds it disappears. His illustrations to explain to us that your life is fragile. It's a vapor. There's nothing about a vapor that's going to cause the damage that you would see with an iceberg or a flood. All it's going to do is cause a little bit of discomfort. But the reality of the illustration is this. It's there, it's gone. It's there, it's gone. It's there, it's gone. Take for a moment and think to yourself how many people you knew in your past that are no longer here. Take for a moment and think of their name. Think of their face. They're no longer here. Their life is no longer in existence. You know why? Because their life is fragile. Everybody thinks that they have plenty of time. I am invincible. I did the dumbest things when I was in, in college. I've done some ridiculous things when I was in high school. I'm talking about redneck things, not things that would put me in jail, things that would put me in the hospital. Rednecks always say, watch this, and the next thing that happens never ends well. We would make these huge ramps and ramp our bikes into the pond. We'd make zip lines from tree to tree. I grew up in the country because I thought I was invincible. I can do anything. Me and Tony and my brother would take martial arts. We took it for five years. We were determined when this photographer came to the, the studio, we had an opportunity to break bricks and we had an opportunity to break boards and this was nothing new. And we thought, you know what? Let's make sure this photo shows as many bricks as possible. I'm invincible. Stack eight bricks, concrete caps up, and we, we, there's this clicker, and it click, 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 and boom, we bust those blocks. And it was a beautiful picture to show how invincible we are. Years and years later, I'm 44 years old. 
I'm about to turn 45. I had this idea. Let's break, let's break a couple of blocks for this teen activity. We we're gonna, there was this activity where they were gonna compete pastor against pastor, and they had to show their their talents. Well, that's no longer a talent of mine. For almost a year, this hand hurt just by breaking three blocks. It was the worst decision I ever made in my life. You know why? Because I, whether you believe it or not, I am fragile. <laughs> my life is fragile, and so, so is your life. There's nothing about your life that's any different than anybody else in here. You're not invincible. Your life is as a vapor. It appears for a little time, and then it disappears. Why? Because you and me have a fragile life. I think of so many people that I used to love and care for and were a part of my life that are no longer here. And some of them died suddenly. And I can't even explain why. I can't even put in words why death would take their life in the way it did. Sometimes it was unexplainable. No reason. There was no reason for the death of this person. There was a boy in my youth group. His name was Clinton when I was a youth pastor in Tennessee, East Tennessee. Clinton was about this big and about this big around. Sweetest kid you'll ever meet in your whole life. Well, that night, while his mom was asleep next to her husband, she died in her sleep with no reason, no explanation. The next day, I got the phone call. He was torn to pieces, just broken. Words couldn't even explain where this little boy was. I remember driving to his house, and I pulled up in the yard in the middle of the country. And there he was standing in the yard by himself, and he just stared at me. Just a blank face, tears in his eyes. I got out of my car. I walked up to him. I didn't know what to say. All I could do is put my arms around him and cry with him. And we cried and we cried and we cried. Because there was no words for this situation because there was no explanation. Except the fact that his life and my life and her life are just fragile lives. They're here and then they're gone. And when they are finally gone, we think to ourselves, what could we have done different? We literally live life every day as if we will not be here tomorrow. At least that's the way we were meant to live. Live today as if you'll die tomorrow. Because tomorrow is unpredictable. But listen to this. In the same passage of scripture, he goes on to say point two. Life is short. That appeareth for a little time. Appeareth for a little time. Life is short. I want you to know that your life and my life is existing of a short period of time to do some amazing things. I don't know how long you'll live, but the average age is between 73 and 76. And for women, it's a little bit more, thank God, because they don't do stupid things. But one thing that we have learned from history is that we don't learn from history. In other words, we make decisions and we would learn, we should learn from those decisions we've made, but we don't learn from those decisions we made. And because we have such a short period of time in life, we don't make the right decisions with the, the time that we have left. In other words, a short time in our life is to get things right. We don't want to postpone the things that we need to get right because our life is so short. I'm going to tell you something. It's a short time to get things right with others. I don't know where you're at with your family, with your children, with your grandchildren, with your mother, with your father, with your brother, with your sister, but I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing in this life worth taking to the grave with bitterness. Nothing. 
Nothing. If you're hoarding up bitterness in your heart because of a situation that took place a number of years ago or recently, and you hold on to that until the day you die, let me make this very clear. It is like a cancer that's in you. It'll eat you alive. You have a very short period of time to get those things right. I told you the story. I'm not sure if I did or not, but I believe I did, of one of my good friends in college named, uh, well, at the time, we were in our freshman year. And when we were in our freshman year, everything is new and fresh for you. You know, Doug was new to the experience of being on campus and away from his mom. And boy, he was going to take the liberty in doing so. And he'd get in fights with his mom on the phone over things that he was doing wrong and finances he wasn't handling right. And it just went really bad wrong one night. And then he went to class and the next day and he never got that resolved. Just horrible words that he used against his mom. And at that time we would use a pay phone to communicate back and forth because we didn't have cell phones. You know, it was a horrible time. He was in class and he decided to get out of class, go to the dorm, call his mom and get things right. And one of the greatest decisions he ever made because... He didn't realize how short life was for his mom. That night, his mom passed away in her sleep. His little brother, only about six years old, went to the bedroom to wake his mom up and was shaking her and shaking her and shaking her and no response because she passed away. We were in class. I remember one of the, I think it was the superintendent, walked down the aisle, tapped him on the shoulder. There was over 300 students in that class. And I remember looking at his face when they leaned down and whispered in his ear. I knew something was wrong. He left class, and after class, I found out that his mom passed away. He said to me this. I went to the funeral. He said, Dave, I am so grateful that I got things right. I'm so thankful that I got things right before my mom died. Why? Because life is short. I don't know where you're at with, with your life, with your relationships, with your friendships, but I'm gonna tell you something. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, there is nothing in life worth holding on to. There's no bitterness worth holding on to. There's no anger worth holding on to. You must understand a short time to get things right with others. It will pass so quickly and you will regret. There's so many things that I wish I could go back in time and say to my dad. There's so many things I wish I could discuss with my dad. But four years ago, nearly, my dad passed away. I have no second chance to speak to my dad face to face until I see him in heaven. Life is short. Life is short. A short time to get things right. But I'm going to tell you something. It's a short time to help people. I've questioned myself. Why do I do what I do? Is it about me or is it about him? I've questioned why am I in the ministry? Is it about me or is it about him? It's not about me. It's all about him and it's all about others. Loving God, loving others and serving both. That is what it's about. But too often we find ourselves serving self, serving self. We're consumed with self. Our Facebook page is just filled with self. Our, 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 everything that we put out on social media is filled with self. We're always pleading and begging for people to pay attention to you, yourself. There's an issue with that. There's a problem with that. Life is too short to focus on self. There's no benefits in heaven for those that consume their time on earth with self. If you don't grasp this, then you'll lose this. You are meant to do more than make money. You are meant to just do more than just have your hobbies. 
You were meant to serve others and help others with the time that you've been given. I remember when I was in Tennessee and I was a youth pastor, we had Bible clubs. Bible clubs are like FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. They would either happen before class, during class, or after class. And I was at five different schools each week. It was overwhelming, but it was effective, and I was excited. And I went to this one school every week. We had unusual names down south. We had Daniel Boone High School and David Crockett rivals. And then we had other schools that didn't have those unique names. But it was the south. At this one particular school, there was a little Chinese girl that would come. She was probably about 15 years old. She was a foreign exchange student. She would sit intensively every time she would come to that Bible class, or as it was called, Bible club. She'd listen and listen and listen, take it all in. Finally, the day came where she just got it. And she was ready to give her life to Christ, and she did. After class, she looked at me and she said, I need you to pray for me because when I go back home, I have to look my mom in the face when she hands me that rose and we go to the Buddhist temple to lay that rose at the foot of the Buddha that I can no longer do this, mom. She said, because I need mom to know that this is no longer my life because I believe in Jesus Christ. The greatest decision she ever made became one of the hardest things she'll ever do. Helping people. Helping people. Here's the question. Stop for a minute. Who are you helping? If you cannot fill in the blank, then there's a problem in your life. You have a short period of time to invest in people's lives. Corporately, I help. It's my job. I'm a pastor. I speak to people. I invest in people. I go to camps once in a while. I, I might speak at a, a maybe a very small conference or a meeting on a Sunday, but that's far in between. But my job is to speak to people. And I think to myself, that's enough. That's enough. I am in standing in front of people every Sunday, and I am helping people. But it goes further than that. It's more than corporal. It's personal. It's getting in people's lives and getting involved in their issues and their problems, and it's exhausting. I have enough problems of my own. Like a yeah. And I am going to tell you this. This is the reality of it. Even in my own life with my own kids and my own wife, I find myself saying, hey, I'm bearing a lot of burdens on my own. Why do I want to bear somebody else's? Because you're called to. Because we're not just average people, we're believers. And as believers, born-again Christians, we have the responsibility to invest in other people's lives. That right there is the point that, that James was trying to make. Your life is so short, and you have such a short period of time to make a difference. And with that, you have a short time to help people. What are you doing with it? You have a short time to lay up treasures. Where your treasure is, the Bible says your heart will be also. What is the most important thing in your life? Say, my wife, my kids, for some strange people, their cat, maybe their dog, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you something. Something is priority in your life, and only you can answer what that priority is. I've learned that very quickly people develop this as their priority of life. It's become a natural part of who they are. They don't leave the house without it, and if they do, they're constantly reaching down, reaching around, trying to figure out where that is because it's almost become a part of who they are. It is priority. But technology should never become the priority. Your, 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 your family is very important, and they should be at the top of the list, no doubt about it. But let me make sure you understand, your priority in life should always be to please Christ. That is difficult because I like to be happy with what I want, my will. My will has become priority in the majority of time of my life. 
and I have to stop and say it's not about me, it's all about him. A short time to lay up treasures in heaven, according to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, it says, lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth. Why? Because that's where the moth and the rust doth corrupt. And he says, and thieves, they break through and steal, but lay up for your tre yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust corrupt, and where thieves don't break through and steal. I still have some of the same goals that I had when I was 17 years old. I still, I still have some of the same goals that I've never managed to reach. And I'm thinking, man, I have time, I have time, I can do this, I can do this, I can, I can, I can make this happen and maybe I will, but the problem is that I'm running out of time. And the reason why those, those goals have never been reached for Jesus Christ is because I was prioritizing something else in its place. Y'all follow me? Let's just picture this physically. Some of us have the idea, I can be in the best shape of my life, and you can. You can be whatever you want. God has equipped you with a beautiful thing called a body and a mind. You're made up of this beautiful image of God. You can be whatever you want. And you say, well, I don't know about that. Yes, but it's up to you. It's up to you. But what we've done with our physical bodies is we exchanged our appetite for what is right. In other words, we say, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm going to work out, and when I was 17 years old, I'm going to have a six-pack by the time I'm 23 years old, and I had all these ideas and goals, right? But there's something about a Twinkie that outweighed the idea of lifting a weight. Amen. There was something about going to a buffet when I was in high school that meant more to me than ever going to a gym because I chose to satisfy my will over my needs. The reality is simple. Life is short. And in this short period of time, we prioritize things and we set up these treasures in our lives that are above everything else what God has suggested and wants for us. I don't want you to miss this, but I think if we could get this, it will help us. The, the most powerful weapon Satan has is the idea that we have time. Procrastination. You don't have to raise your hand, but ask yourself this question. Are you a procrastinator? What in your life do you postpone to the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day? Now, I'm not talking about your laundry. I'm talking about the intimate things of your life. I'm talking about your walk with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about your, 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 your ability to grasp that people will either live eternity in heaven or hell and you need to invest in their life. What do you procrastinate when it comes to serving Jesus Christ? So one day, one day I'll do this. One day I'll get involved in church. One day I'll be faithful to church. One day, one day, one day, one day is going to run out. Y'all follow me? Yep. You have a short time. Life is short. It's a short time. It's a short time to get things right with others. It is absolutely a short time to help people. It is a short time to lay up treasures in heaven. You have to ask yourself, am I willing to go above and beyond to make the difference to prioritize. James finishes things up and he says, life is sure. Because he says this, and then it vanisheth away. It vanisheth away. What is it sure of? Well, one thing we know, it's sure of death. I can't imagine this. Sometimes I have this awful, creepy thought when I'm laying in bed before I go to sleep. The thought is, one day I'm going to die. Can I, can I grasp that? I'm not going to live forever. I'm not going to be here forever. I can't even fathom that at times. Like, my life is going to come to a close. 
Now, for younger ones, they might think to themselves, that's 20 years from now. But let me remind you, there's just as many short graves as there is long graves. Little Baker was a, a little baby that was not even a year old. And a friend of mine that loved that little baby and cherished that little baby never thought that that baby would die before the age of one. Colin was a kid in my youth group. He was 12 years old. He loved a dirt bike and he loved a four-wheel. But Colin never realized that he would die at the age of 12. I never thought that I would carry a 12-year-old's casket to the grave, but I did. You know why? Because that little boy, while he was four-wheeling, went around the corner and got hit by a car and died in his father's arms. That is something his father will never forget. But the reality is this. Death doesn't care who you are or who I am. It's not a specter of persons. He is not in the position to determine you live or you die according to your wealth or your fame. He's in the position to take your life because it's time for your life to end. Everybody's in line. It's a long line. It's a line with billions of people. Nearly 8 billion people are in this line. And in that line, you're standing side by side with somebody because that somebody has the same period of time to live as you. Or at least they're going to die at the same period of time. When you are finally at the end of the line, that is your time. I don't know when that is, and I don't know what it's like, and how you're going to die. Not even you will know that, but God does. But the reality is, it is coming. Because life is sure of death. You say, this is a horrible Sunday. I'll never come back to this church again. <laughs> it's not usually this way. But there's got to be a reason why God changed my heart and my mind from speaking on worship to speaking on your life. And I don't know where your life is, and I'm not here to scare you, torment you, or make you miserable. I'm here to wake you up. I'm here to wake up myself. Because we can keep on saying every single day, I'll get it together, I'll get it together, I'll get it together, I'll get it together, until we're laying in the coffin, and the last words that come out of our mouth could be, I'll get it together. There's no second chances. The very hearse that could take your body to the grave could have the gas in it at this very moment. The flowers could be blooming in the hot house at this very moment that will decorate your grave. I don't know. You don't know. But I do know this. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. What does that mean? Every man and woman has an appointment with God. First, his appointment is with death. Second, his appointment is with God. What does that look like? It's called judgment. You're sure of judgment. You say, man, I do not want to hear this. None of us want to hear this because this is the realities that we don't want to face. When we eat and eat and eat or don't do things that we're supposed to do and then we go to the doctor and they said you have high blood pressure. You're dealing with diabetes. How? Well, mm, there's reasons. I've let this go and I've let this go and I've let this go and now this is the result. We don't want to hear the results of our actions. Here's the results of our actions. We will stand before God and we will answer for what we do for God. Here's the reality. There's twofold. One, those that stand before God that do not accept Jesus Christ will be in judgment of what the Bible says of eternal damnation. Those that do know Jesus Christ, the Bible makes it very clear, will stand before God. And here's the reality. Don't miss this. It's very important to understand. For what they do for God. Now, this is so important. We are not saved by doing good works. We're judged by our good works. Don't get that mixed up. Judgment is going to be upon every man, every woman, and every child. Revelations chapter 20 and verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. What does small and great mean? It doesn't mean just young and old. 
It means wealthy and poor. It means every woman, every man, and every child at this point in life will have to stand before God. Everyone. And the books were open. And another book was open. What are the books? One, well, one of the books is the book of life. And in that book, we know, is our name written that are believers in Jesus Christ that accept the Lord. These are the portions of Scripture that people never even read, hardly. They bypass because it seems so foreign and so odd and almost uh, sci-fi to them. But it's the reality of the truth. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the books according to their works. Judgment by Almighty God. You stand before God. There's no way around that. Judgment according to our works. But the reality is this, my salvation is not in my works, my salvation is in Jesus Christ. But after Jesus has come into my life, I will pursue good works. I have an issue, I have a problem with those that claim Jesus Christ as their Savior and say that the Lord is their Lord of, the life, of their life, but on Monday they look distinctly different than Sunday. They don't practice any of the things they preach that they actually are on Sunday. There's an issue there. And we have to face the fact that one day when we stand before God, we will have to deal with the issue. What is wrong in our lives? What are we going to do? Here's the facts. We are sure. We are sure of death. We are sure of judgment. But I know we're sure of eternity. And that's a beautiful thing, and it's a scary thing, too. And I'll say this. The Bible says in Matthew 25 and verse 46, And, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. I know it's not popular and people want to bypass this because it's you know one of those things that nobody wants to face, but there is a reality of eternity. Eternity is something that never ends. I've heard one preacher put it this way. It's as if a small little bird landed on the shores of the beach and took one grain of sand and flew all the way around the world and dropped it off and did it over and over and over and over and over again until all the sands on the beach were removed. That is not even a drop in the bucket of eternity. Eternity never ends. I saw one preacher use the illustration of a rope. He put on the end of a rope that was yards and yards long. And at the end of the rope, he had a little piece of tape, just a tiny piece of tape. And he said, this is not even, the, and in reality of what life is truly about compared to eternity. The rope itself is eternity. It just goes and goes and goes. My question is, what are you doing with the small amount of time that you have here on earth? You're 73, 76, 80 years old. I don't know how long you have, but what are you doing with it? In light of eternity, this is the time you have to invest in something greater than here, to lay up your treasures in heaven, to prepare for what we know we're going to have to do. That's stand before God. That day is going to be a beautiful day for those that are believers in Jesus Christ. I mean, I can't wait, but I'm terrified. It's a reality. Every one of us are born with a soul. People don't like that. They think that's weird, that's odd. No animal has a soul, but we all have souls. And we have soul that's going to live forever, whether it's an eternity in hell or an eternity in heaven. The question is, how about you? Where will you be? So I close with this thought. Your life, it's sure. It's sure of death. It's sure of judgment. It's definitely sure of eternity somewhere. But only you can answer the question, what is your life? What is your life? I haven't spoke on this topic in years and years and years. Haven't even touched this. But for whatever reason, for this day, it was meant to be said. I don't know why God laid it on my heart to go this direction. But I do know this. Every one of us have a choice to make today, and it starts right now. You continue living your life exactly the way it is and maintain 
or change. You have a choice. It's a beautiful thing. We have free will. It's the same free will Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of time. All the way back in the book of Genesis. When God said, don't eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the tree of life you can eat and anything else. But you have free will. You do as you please. But I hope you love me enough and trust me enough that you'll obey me. But they chose not to. And so Adam makes the decision. Eve makes the decision. Let me mind you, remind you that Eve made the decision before Adam. <laughs> Ladies. The reality is simply this. They made, a wrong, they made the wrong decision and that decision affected all of us. For whatever reason in my anger and frustration this morning, I really got mad at Adam. I thought, it's because of you that all of us are dealing with what we're dealing with today. Because of you. Because one man's decision changes everything. Adam's decision, wherefore by one man's sin, sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. One man made that decision. Throughout history we see this happen. One man makes the decision. One man by the name of Hitler made a decision that affected six million Jews. One man. One man made that decision. One man by the name of Jesus made the decision to obey the Father. And by obeying the Father, he died on the cross. And by dying on the cross, we have the redemption of sin. And because of the redemption of sin, we can have a life eternal in heaven. And that's a beautiful thing. Which brings us to this point right here. What decision with your free will are you going to make? It's up to you. You want to continue your marriage the way it is? Well, you only have a short period of time with who you chose to marry. You want to continue your family the way they are? Your kids? Your teens? Your grandkids? You say, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. Then make a difference. Then make a decision. Make a choice. Say, I want to continue the way I am with my finances. Do you? Is it the right way? Your education? Your future? What is it? Because you can keep on saying, I'll change, I'll change, I'll change, and then one day you're going to be 44 years old, about to turn 45, and still have the same goals you had when you were 17. That would be me. But that's not true for you. Because you can make a decision, and I can too.